Hello everyone. I have not done one of these in a long time. And by a long time, I mean like two or three years. So for those of you who don't know, when I was pastoring and when I was doing my internship here at Vision Baptist Church, Vision Baptist Missions, before I started deputation, I used to do a daily Facebook live broadcast. And this isn't live. You probably already noticed that. Um, I decided to record it uh, with everybody being shutty, and I got kids and three kids in that room, my wife washing dishes in there, and uh, if there was any problems, I wanted to have the opportunity to re-record it. Um, but I used to do a Facebook Live every day where I would go chapter by chapter through the Bible, and I would study it, and I'll explain my study method that I used. And I got all the way through Genesis chapter number 20. If you'd like to look at any of the old ones, you can go on my personal Facebook page if we're friends. And I just got a text from my pastor right there. Um, I, uh, you, if we're friends, you can go on my Facebook page, click on videos, and you can look. It'll be Every Verse Matters uh, broadcast, and it'll have the chapter of the Bible. And basically every day what I do is I would read the chapter out, <coughs> excuse me, I'd read the chapter out, and then after that, I would give the knowledge, which is just the pure facts from it, the understanding, how that all fits together, and then the wisdom and application. And uh, I love it because it gives me an opportunity to study chapter by chapter through the Bible. Uh, so, with us all being quarantined home, and me not being able to preach anywhere right now, because most churches having to do Facebook Live or do driving services and aren't really able to have missionaries in right now, um, I decided to bring it back. So I've studied a couple chapters ahead, and as often as I can do a broadcast, I'll do it. And even once this is all over and we're back on the road, as I have time, I'd love to come and just share with you what God's given me through each chapter of the Bible. Um, because just like the title, every verse does matter. Today is going to be Genesis chapter number 21. This is an exciting chapter of scripture. Uh, we are picking up here in the life of Abraham. If you want to know more about Abraham, watch past videos from like three years ago. All right. Just chapter 21. And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. <coughs> Excuse me. For Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age at the set time of which God has spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son that was born unto him, whom Sarah bare to him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son, Isaac, being eight days old, as God had commanded him. And Abraham was a hundred years old, and his son, Isaac, was born unto him. And Sarah said, God hath made me to laugh, so that all that hear will laugh with me. And she said, Who would have said unto Abraham that Sarah should have given children suck? For I have borne him a son in his old age. And the children grew and was weaned, and Abraham, and a child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast the same day that Isaac was weaned. And Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, which she had borne unto Abraham, mocking. Wherefore she said unto Abraham, Cast out this bondwoman and her son, for the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, even with Isaac. And the thing was very grievous in Abraham's sight because of his son. And God said unto Abraham, Let it not be grievous in thy sight because of the lad and because of the bondwoman and all that Sarah hath said unto thee, 
hearken unto her voice, for in Isaac shall thy seed be called. And also the son of the bondwoman will I make a nation, because he is thy seed. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and took bread and a bottle of water and gave it unto Hagar, putting it on her shoulder, and the child and sent her away. And she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. And the water was spent in the bottle, and she cast the child under one of the shrubs. And she went and sat her down over against him a good way off, as it were a bow shot. For she said, Let me not see the death of the child. And she sat over against him and lift up her voice and wept. And God heard the voice of the lad, and the angel of God called to Hagar out of heaven, and said unto her, What aileth thee, Hagar? Fear not, for God hath heard the voice of the lad where he is. Arise, lift up the lad, and hold him in thine hand, for I will make him a great nation. And God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. And she went and filled the bottle with water and gave the lad drink. And God was with the lad, and he grew and dwelt in the wilderness and became an archer. And he dwelt in the wilderness of Paran, and his mother took him a wife out of the land of Egypt. And it came to pass at that time that Abimelech and Fecal, the chief captain of his host, spake unto Abraham, saying, God is with thee in all that thou doest. Now therefore swear unto me here by God that thou wilt not deal falsely with me, nor with my son, nor with my son's son, but according to the kindness that I have done unto thee, thou shalt do unto me. And to the land wherein thou hast sojourned, and Abraham said, I will swear. And Abraham reproved Abimelech because of a well of water which Abimelech's servant had violently taken away. And Abimelech said, I would not who, did, who have done this thing, neither didst thou tell me, neither yet heard I of it but today. And Abraham took sheep and oxen and gave them unto Abimelech, and both of them made a covenant. And Abraham set seven ewe lambs of the flock by themselves. And Abimelech said unto Abraham, what mean these seven ewe lambs which thou hast set by themselves? And he said, For these seven ewe lambs shalt thou take of my hand, that they may be a witness unto me that I have digged this well. Wherefore he called that Beersheba, because there they swore both of them. Thus they made a covenant at Beersheba. Then Abimelech rose up and fecal the sheep captain of his host, and they returned into the land of the Philistines. And Abraham planted a grove in Beersheba and called there on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. And Abraham sojourned in the Philistines' land many days. Now, I'm just noticing that the kids kind of getting loud there in the living room playing. So I'm going to excuse me for a moment. I'm going to hook some uh, headphones up here so I can better communicate with you and so you won't have as much background noise. Just give me one second. Now we're back. Let me get this set back up here. Apologies there. So we're going to start out with the knowledge from Genesis chapter number 21. And we're going to start with the first section, which is going to be verses 1 through 7. And if you were to look back at verses 1 through 7, we won't go back and reread them for sake of time. Uh, we don't want to make the broadcast too terribly long, but you can go back and read it. Uh, we have in verses 1 through 7 of Genesis 21, uh, we have here the birth of Isaac, the promised son. Now, of course, for a long time, God has been promising Abraham a son. Abraham is with his father, 
his father one day leaves Ur the Chaldees and he goes to a land by the name of Haran. Uh, Haran's in modern day Turkey. I love mentioning that when I talk about it. He goes to modern day Haran. Uh, they're headed towards Canaan. Amazingly enough how God works this all out. He gets to Haran. They settle down. Then he leaves. Uh, God calls him in Haran. And he said, leave the kindred, leave your family, and uh, I want you to take your wife, Sarah, and I'm going to make a great nation of you. Of course, he waxes old. God keeps promising my son. God said, out of your loins is going to become a kingdom. Out of your, I'm going to show you a land you know not of. He's, he's promising the land. He's made a covenant with him. And he said, I'm going to give you a son that will carry this lineage on, which is going to be Isaac. Verses 1 through 3 here, we see that God kept his promise and gave Abraham his son, Isaac, just as he promised through Sarah. I love this. God kept his promise to Abraham. We see this in verses 1 through 3. God, for a long time, has been saying, Abraham, you're going to have a son. Sarah, you're going to have a baby. Sarah even is in the tent on one occasion, and she bust out laughing. She said, this is stinking hilarious. But you know what? God kept his promise. God didn't let Abraham down. God did not let Sarah down. We'll talk about this a little more in a moment, but Abraham and Sarah, even at one point in the prior chapter, concoct the idea of having Hagar, the handmaiden, sleep with Abraham, and they have a son called Ishmael. Ishmael, God will say here later on in the chapter, I'm going to make a nation him too, but he's not chosen. Why? Because Abraham and Sarah and their seed Isaac was chosen. When they tried to take this into their own hands, God said, you don't trust me. God said, you don't believe that I can come through and I can do the impossible. So we see here God keeping his promise to Abraham and to Sarah, keeping his word in verses 1 through 3. Then in verse 4 and 5, we see that Abraham takes and continues to obey God. He takes Isaac and he circumcises him. Uh, He keeps that uh, ritual alive that God gave to Abraham that he's going to pass all throughout Israel, all throughout the Jewish race. But I love it here that God provides, and since God provides Abraham, he continues to obey God. God said, hey, you need to get that boy circumcised. That's what shows people that he's got a covenant with me, that he's one of mine, and Abraham obeys. Then we have verses 6 and 7. Verses 6 and 7, Sarah admits to laughing at God for promising her a son and declares that the world can laugh now as worship and rejoicing over God being big enough and right enough to keep his promises. Sarah said, look, I'm guilty. I didn't trust God. I laughed in the tent. Now everybody can laugh at me. And as you're laughing, you're worshiping the God who's all powerful. You're worshiping the God that kept his promise. You're worshiping the God that can take an old man and an old woman and can give them a baby just like you promised. So go ahead and laugh. But as you're laughing, that this old woman is pushing a stroller, that this old woman's uh, Pat, uh, burping a baby. This old woman is uh, bouncing a baby on her knee. The fact that, this, I mean, this is downright foolish, folks. She said, y'all are laughing because this is ridiculous. But it's worshiping God because God does 
the impossible. And God keeps his word. Then we see in verses 8 through 16, <coughs> we change gears. Verse 1 through 7, we have that birth of Isaac. Then verses 8 through 16, we see this feast of celebration for Isaac. So Abraham is going to throw this feast. It's a celebration uh, for Isaac, uh, for God keeping his promise. And we're going to see in verse these eight verses here, that celebration. First of all, in verse number eight, we see that Abraham throws this big feast. And the reason he does it is to celebrate Isaac's birth. But then a problem comes in verses nine and 10. In verses nine and 10, Isaac's older half-brother, Ishmael, remember, daddy's Abraham, mama's Hagar, half-brother, older, he, Ishmael, mocks little Isaac and Sarah. She sees this as an act of disrespect, and she gets mad. She throws out Hagar. She throws out Ishmael. Now, I want you to remember that Sarah actually created this problem. It was Sarah's idea for this handmaid to sleep with her husband, to have the baby, because she didn't trust God. Well, now she, God's kept his promise, and now she doesn't want the evidence of her mistake in her sight anymore. She doesn't want to see that baby. She doesn't want to see the handmaiden. And she definitely is not okay with Ishmael mocking her and mocking her baby boy, Isaac. She says, Abraham, go tell Hagar, go tell Ishmael, pack their junk and get out of our house, go into the wilderness, I'm done with them. Then we see in verses 11 through 13 that it was grievous to Abraham to have to throw them out. But God tells him, don't be grievous because uh, his seed uh, will come out of Isaac and not Ishmael. God said, look, I, I know this is hard on you, but don't let it be. I know he's your son, but that's not my chosen. That's not my seed. That is the results of you and Sarah and Hagar's mistake. So you know what? You're going to have to live with the repercussions of this. Uh, I kept my promise, but you still got Ishmael to deal with. But don't be grievous. I did keep my promise, and my seed will go through Isaac. Then we see in verses 14 and 15 that Abraham sends off Ishmael and Hagar. Uh, and after some time, their supplies ran out. And Hagar just throws baby, a uh, little Ishmael, little boy Ishmael, under a tree. So she's out here. She's got a bottle of water. She's got her provisions. Once it's all gone, she becomes discouraged, and she takes her son and basically sets him under a tree, this young boy, and says, um, go ahead, God, I don't want, he's going to die. I don't want to watch him die. She was discouraged. She was let down. She believed he was going to die. Then verse 17 through 19 we see that she walks away, uh, so she won't have to see her son die, and God appears to her in verse 16, and God speaks to her in verses 17 through 19. God says, hey, Gar, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to take care of that boy, and uh, it's all going to be okay. We see in verses 17 through 18 that God promises to Hagar, so look, not only is Ishmael not going to die, but I'm going to make a great nation of him just like I am Isaac. Now, it's not going to be my chosen nation. It's not going to be Israel. But there is going to be a nation that comes out of Ishmael. Verse 19, uh, Hagar then sees a well of water that will provide for a need. Now, this is interesting to me. I'm going to read the verse because I want to show you what, what I noticed here. <coughs> Excuse me. And God opened her eyes. 
And God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. God could have taken care of her need any way he wanted to. He could have miraculously made water spring out of a rock. He did it for the children of Israel later on in the Old Testament. We'll see him do it. God could have made a gusher just spring up from the ground. But we see here that there's actually all, uh, there's been a well of water there the whole time. But Hagar is so depressed, she's so fearful, she's so worried, she can't see the provisions that God's already put there. And God calms her down and he opens up her eyes and she looks and she sees the well of water and her needs are taken care of. We see in verses, and then we change gears here and we see the future of Ishmael in verses 20 through 24. We see in verse 20 that Ishmael is going to become a great archer. He's going to be a man who becomes very good with the bow. We're going to see that he moves to a place called Paran. Uh, that's in the wilderness desert of Sinai. We see that in verses 20 and 21. We see in verse 21 as well that he takes a wife of Egypt given by his mother. And later on, if you follow his genealogies out, uh, him and this Egyptian are going to end up having the ladies that end up marrying Esau. So then we change gears again in verses 22 throughout the end of the chapter in verse 34, and we see Abraham in the land of the Philistines. So Abraham's going to move to the land of the Philistines, and we're going to have a couple things happen here. Verse 22 through 24, we see that the king and his captain come to speak to Abraham because they know that God is reeling with Abraham. I love this part of the story. Because the king shows up and the captain of the king's host shows up. And they go, Abraham, we know that you know God. So we want to hitch ourselves to your wagon because we know God's going to bless you. We know your God is a real God. I love it. I love it. Even these heathen, lost king and people, they knew, oh, Abraham's God was real. They knew old Abraham was blessed by the Lord. They knew that that baby Isaac was a miracle and they could not deny it. And they knew that the God that Abraham followed was the God of the universe. I love it. I just love it. How they know, even though they might have been down at the heathen temple worshiping the idols and the fake gods, they knew power when they saw it and Abraham had it all over him. And Abraham had the blessings of God and the provisions of God and the promises fulfilled from God all over him. I had a preach right there, friend. Then we see verse 25. We see that Abraham... Um, we see that Abraham reproves the king over a well that was violently taken from him. Abraham says, before we're going to talk business, uh, one of your men, uh, one of your men took a well from us violently, and we need to get that well back. Uh, we see in verse 26 that Abimelech says he knew nothing about it. In verses 27 through 32, Abimelech makes a covenant to give him the well back uh, in exchange for being able to essentially hook his cart to his horse uh, or, to, or, or to share the blessings of God with him. <coughs> uh, then we have in verses 33 through 34, uh, right here finishing up the chapter, we see that Abraham returns to the land of the Philistines. He plants a grove, and I love this, he calls on the name of the Lord. This is why Abraham's blessed. So that's the knowledge. 
Let's look at the understanding. A couple things. Verses 1 through 3, we see that God kept his promise to Abraham to give him a son. God did not let Abraham down. God, see this book right here? Every promise in this book is true. And stories like this one show us that it's true. When God makes a promise, he keeps it. We see in verses 8 through 24, we see the big mess uh, that not trusting God and having Ishmael is going to cause. It finally hit the fan, as they say in a lot worse terms usually. But it hit the fan finally in verses 8 through 24. And Sarah and Abraham are going to see how big of a mistake and how much trouble they're about to cause because of Ishmael. By the way, trouble's still going on today. The enemies of Israel in the Middle East are the descendants of Ishmael. Uh, matter of fact, they have a ceremony in Eid, a feast amongst Muslims, where they say that Abraham took Ishmael up on the mountain instead of Isaac because they know that they were derived from Ishmael and they want God or Allah's chosen to be their people and not Israel. We know that's not true from God's word, but we find I find that very, very interesting. Verse 22 through 24, we see that Abraham, he was the real deal. He was a man of God and that everyone noticed it. It could not be denied that Abraham was a man of God. So see the wisdom. How can we apply this chapter? First of all, we see in verses 1 through 3 that God keeps his promises and we ought not doubt him. Can I tell you something? Quit being scared of the coronavirus. Quit being scared of what you're what your stock portfolio is doing. Quit being scared of what's happening at your job and know that God said in his book, he will take care of you. David said, I've not seen the righteous forsaken nor seed begging bread. Uh, it, the word of God tells us time and time and time again that God's going to take care of us. His mercies are new every morning. We see God taking care of his people. And can I tell you something? If God can give Abraham and Sarah, those two old fogies, a baby, if he can keep that promise, he can keep the promise to take care of you. Look, quit freaking out. Quit fearing. Trust Jesus. You know, we trust Jesus to be saved, but we need to trust Jesus every day to take care of us. Quit being scared. Quit complaining. Quit being worried. Fret not, the Bible says. Love Matthew chapter number 6. Sufficient for today is the evil thereof. Take no thought for tomorrow. For we know not what a day may bring forth. For sufficient for today is the evil thereof. He said, look, quit worrying about tomorrow. Tomorrow may never come. Today will take care. Today's got enough evil in it. Today's got enough trouble in it. But you know what? You just trust me. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things should be added unto you. Look, folks, we say trust Jesus and remember that God keeps his promises. And we see verse number 19. We remember Hagar, how God opened her eyes up to this well. <coughs> Along that same vein, we see that many times troubles will distract us from our needed provisions. Can I tell you something? Some of us are worried about money right now. We're worried about, and you know what? Our needs are already being taken care of. But we can't see what God is doing because we're so scared and we're so worried. And you know what we need to do? When he quit worrying. When he trusts Jesus. When he say, hey, God, open my eyes to how you're taking care of me. 
Thank you. I know you. I know I'm good because I trust you. But God, open my eyes and let me see how you're taking care of my needs. Then we see verse 22 through 24 uh, that we ought be so close to God that those around us know that we know God. Can I tell you something? These are troubling times. These are trying times. Folks ought know you're a Christian. Why? Because you ain't freaking out. Why? Because you're not screaming and hollering and, and, and about to have a nervous breakdown buying 42 packs of TP, uh, thinking that we're all going to die and thinking that uh, you know we're all going to go crazy from cabin fever and we're all going to go broke and the world's going to end and we just want to blow our brains out. Can I tell you something? we got to stop that. The world ought look at us and they ought say, man, those Christians are like a duck on water. Hey, under the water, they might be kicking their feet trying to figure out how it's all going to fit together, but we sure can't tell it. Them folks trust Jesus. Can I tell you something? You could be a witness to your family right now more than any other time. Why? Because you just keep your cool. The peace, Look, you have the peace that passeth all understanding. You know the God of the universe. You have the truths of the Word of God. You get in this book and control your thinking and get to loving on Jesus and get to praying and get to trusting in Jesus and get a smile on your face and get excited and know that everything might be bad, but God's still good. Everything might look negative, but it'll all be okay. Why? Because we're Christians and we trust in Jesus. And when people see that, can I tell you something? It opens the door wide up, uh, wide open to tell them about the goodness of God. We see something I found here interesting in verse 26. I'm going to read it to you so you can understand it. This is the conversation between Abimelech and Abraham about the well that was stolen. <coughs> I call it the communication breakdown. And Abimelech said, I would not who have done this thing, neither didst thou tell me, neither yet heard I of it, but today. Uh, let's be careful about communication breakdown. Abimelech said, I didn't know I did, did wrong. Abimelech said, you didn't tell me that I did wrong. And Abimelech said, I didn't know until things got bad that you were even upset at me, Abraham. Can I tell you something? That was a heathen talking to the man of God. Can I tell you, let's not have communication breakdown. Look, you know, there's a lot of people who have done you wrong. They don't even know they did you wrong. Right now, a lot of people, you're locked in the house with your family, husbands and wives, and there's going to be a lot of conflict between husbands and wives, children's and mama, children and daddy, uh, in law, all kind of family trouble, all kind of fighting. Why? Because communication breakdown. Why? Because somebody does you wrong, and they don't even know they did you wrong. Uh, they're pushing your buttons. They don't even know they're pushing your buttons. And then you don't tell them. Can I tell you something? We ought to be adults, and we ought to be Christ-like, and we ought to be Christians. And when somebody does us wrong, we, we have two options when somebody does us wrong if we're going to do it christ -like. Number one, water off a duck's back. Forgive them and go on. And never bring it up. And quit being hurt. And uh, take an Ephesians... Uh, chapter number four, uh, <coughs> where it tells us to forgive as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven us. Because we're Christians, we forgive others because God forgave us because of Christ. And we, for Christ's sake, forgive others because that's the right thing to do. You either one, do that, or number two, if it hurts so bad that you just can't forgive, you got to deal with it. You go to the end and you say, look, I love you, but you hurt me. 
and I want to talk to you about this, and I want to work this thing out. I never forget so many times. I learned this firsthand. I was in Pine Bluff, Arkansas with Sean Cuthbertson, and sometimes I was on church staff, and me and the other church staff or him or church members, we'd do each other. We'd get a little sideways. And you know what we do? I've walked in this office. I said, Preacher, you made me mad. I'll tell you why. And we talked it out. I've had him come and say, Brother Dustin, uh, let me tell you something you said or something you did. And that really got on my nerves. Let's talk it out. And you know what? We'd leave and say, you know, I love you, Preacher. I love you, Brother Dustin. And you know what? We'd talk it out. And me and him have a great friendship. I saw him just a couple weeks ago. Had a cup of coffee with him. We text back and forth for one of our supporters. But can I tell you something? One of the things he taught me that I'm so glad he taught me is don't let things fester. And he said two things he used to teach. Number one, don't let things fester. Talk it out. And number two, uh, quit. <coughs> excuse me. Uh, quit um, speculating. He said never speculate. He said because you'll have arguments in your mind that are never happening in person. You'll be mad at somebody just over pure speculation. And uh, I learned so much from that man of God in that ch- my time at that church. But, uh, you know, t- talk to somebody. And then the final thing Abimelech says in this communication breakdown, he said, you know what, I didn't know about it until things got bad. Can I tell you something? Don't wait until you're bitter. Don't wait till you're heartbroken. Don't wait till a relationship is irreparable to talk it out. When somebody does you wrong, go to them with Christ-like love and talk it out. Uh, we need to communicate so we don't see the breakdown in our lives. The final piece of wisdom we get here is in verse number 33. We see that example from Abraham to call on the Lord. The next question, have you called on the Lord today? Have you spent time in this book? This book's so good. Can I tell you something? I couldn't live without it. Every single word of it. I could not look up. I could not make it through the mess we're going through right now and still want to serve Jesus who want for this book right here. And the truth, why? Because I can get along with God in this book and I can get along with him in prayer. I call on the name of the Lord. Can I encourage you to call on the name of the Lord? Get your family together tonight and call upon the name of the Lord. Get your Bible open and tell your kids how good God is and let them hear mama and let them hear daddy praise Jesus and let them hear mama and let them hear daddy call on the Lord and trust him. And you know what? Let's take these lessons we've learned here from Genesis chapter number 21. Let's just keep on serving God. I love y'all. Thank y'all. This has been another uh, Every Verse Matters Bible broadcast from missionary uh, church planner to the country of Turkey, Dustin Brown. We thank you for your prayers. We thank you for your love. And until next time, this has been a reminder that every verse matters.